Welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. Your host is Wendy Fleming Dexter, and after 30 years living in small town Illinois, she has stories to tell. Past cornfields and factories, into the heart of Amish country. There's more here than what meets the eye, far beyond what you think you know. So buckle up and stay tuned. This is Life on the Illinois Prairie. Hi, this is Wendy Fleming Dexter. I'm your host on Life on the Illinois Prairie. If you've stopped by today, I think you're going to really enjoy my guest, Kathleen Reuter. Kathleen, would you like to introduce yourself and tell a little bit about why you're here today and what this is all about? Yes, so thank you for having me on, Wendy. My name is Kathleen Reuter, and I'm the owner of Reuter Bison. We are a family-owned business dedicated to conservation of bison and the land and wildlife. We are in central Illinois. My late husband and I founded Reuter Bison in 2011. We both grew up in Kansas and uh, were visiting some relatives in Wyoming when we were first introduced to the emerging bison business. We thought maybe that would be a good fit for us in retirement. Uh, David had worked in several zoos, and he had worked with large mammals in those zoos, especially bison. And we enjoyed the meat and the ideals of bison being restored to their native lands. So the business has grown. Um, We purchased our first ranch, Prairie Rim Ranch, in Douglas County, Illinois, in 2011. And we purchased our first animals in 2012. Since then, we've grown and have outgrown the size of the land we have now. So we entered into a contract with McHenry County, Illinois, their conservation district in 2021. And we now have a herd at McHenry County Conservation District outside of Woodstock, Illinois. Oh, so how big is that herd? So totally, we've got about 65 animals. We've got about 40 down here and 25 up there. Hmm. We use the ranch in Murdoch as our breeding herd. And then we move the animals up to McHenry County for a couple of years until they're ready for harvest. Well, that's, um, that is so interesting. I, I know that uh, I had seen on your Facebook page that you recommended Ken Burns, American Buffalo, and oh my gosh, what a what a wonderful series that I know there was just two parts to that, but oh, I loved it so much. It was just so interesting and so oh, enlightening, and um, I I had yes. not realized at all the um, spiritual connection between the indigenous people in this country. Um, you know how far back they had gone, and what a valuable spiritual connection there was between the buffalo and the uh, the Indians. Do you have any, any history on that or is that? Um... Well, yeah, a little bit. Um, so the indigenous people, they were, they had a close spiritual relationship with many animals um, on the Great Plains. The bison, however, were the only animal that they really physically depended on for their survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, especially on the Great Plains, mm-hmm. they were an integral part of their spiritual and their physical um, lives. Mm -hmm. And the indigenous people did see that their lives were intertwined with the bison's. Um, 
each tribe kind of has its different stories about bison, but in general, they all believe that the bison were a gift from the creator to the people. Mm. Um, They believe that the bison gave themselves willingly to assure the people's survival. So they did honor and respect this animal. Um, Just about every physical part of the bison was used for survival, as well as the deep spiritual connection they had with this animal. Um, The other belief is that is that the animal, um, they, they did bring the knowledge of medicine and peace to the native tribes, and they were seen as a symbol of strength and power and abundance and resilience mm. to these native people. It seemed, uh, watching, watching the uh, show, that it was so, so sad that the, uh, that, that the indigenous people, not sad that they used every piece of the animal that they they didn't waste one bit, but then when, and they, there were so many millions of them roaming freely, but then that when um, basically the white man came, European people came and just uh, made a commercial venture out of it and would come and just uh, destroy them, just get leave their bodies uh, to rot while they use the skins. And I thought that was just such a, such a horrendous thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tragedy. Um, in the early 1800s, there were about 60 million bison in North America. Um, you know, the first white men described it as just black on the prairie because there was so many bison. Mm. By 1875, there were less than 500 bison left in North America. And most of those were in small scattered herds throughout the country. So... Um, the only continuous herd has been in Yellowstone Park, mm. and that herd actually was depleted down to just 25 animals in the 1870s and 80s. Mm. Um, as you mentioned, the animals were hunted for their skins and as trophy animals, and they occasionally took a head or a mount for a trophy, but basically they just left the animals to rot on the plains. Mm. In later days, um, people did pick up the bones, and you'll see pictures of of just mounds and mounds and mounds of bison bones. And they used them for buttons. They used them for ornaments. And they actually would grind it up sometimes and use it as a food additive. Hmm. Um, The other thing was it, it, it was a concentrated effort by the governments of Canada and the United States to eradicate the animals because they were wanting to claim the indigenous lands and they knew how closely the bison related to the existence of the people on these lands. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so the last recorded wild bison was in Illinois in 1837. Oh, my gosh. That is just, that is mind-blowing. Just how they could uh, decimate a whole species like that or come close to it. And, and thank God that there were people that saw the need to save them. But so many were lost. That's just uh, unbelievable. So what is the average um, size and weight of, of a bison? I know that I've never, I don't know that I've seen one. I know I haven't seen one up close, but um, they have to be massive animals. And yet, so they're they're not mean or anything, are they? I mean, they what is their temperament like in their size? 
They're not a mean animal at all. Um, so in this country, first question that's always asked me is what's the difference between bison and buffalo? Mm. And I just want to clarify that before we, because I'm going to use the terms synonymously throughout the podcast. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do that. Um, the animal that we have in North America is a bison. Its scientific name is bison bison. Mm -hmm. The, um, the white people didn't really know what to call this new animal. And there was a French term called le bouffe. And I think that morphed into buffalo. Um, each of the native tribes had a different name in their language for the animal. And so everybody just kind of started calling it a buffalo because everybody knew what we were talking about then. Hmm. Um, the only true buffalo, though, are the Cape buffalo in South Africa, which remains a wild animal and a trophy animal. And then the water buffalo in Southeast Asia. Hmm. Up until a few years ago, when you'd see something in the store that was buffalo, buffalo chews, um, buffalo cheese. That was coming from this domesticated buffalo in Southeast Asia. Hmm. Um, we can't milk buffalo here. We can't milk bison. You're not going to see cheese. However, there is a Truth in Advertising Act that was passed several years ago. And now if you're looking for something that's from our native animal, the bison, it will be labeled bison. Hmm. And anything that's labeled buffalo is probably from the Asian buffalo. Hmm. Um, so the conservation movement really started back in the eight, in the late 1800s. There were a few um, far-sighted people, both indigenous and non-native people, that realized what we were losing by the extinction of this animal. And, and other animals were on the list, too. You know, the gray wolf, the passenger pigeon. There were other animals that the Europeans decimated, too. Mm -hmm. However, um, they realized that they might lose this symbol of the American heritage. And so they started looking at how to save them. Um, there are so many stories, I just can't go into all of them. But I thought I could mention a few names. Sure. That would maybe were mentioned also in in the Buffalo movie by Ken Burns that were kind of instrumental in bringing the animal back. Great. Um, the first one I want to mention is Charles Goodnight. He was a former Texas Ranger and fighter in the Indian Wars. He lived in Texas. He and his Molly started a conservation. He and his wife Molly started a conservation herd in 1878 with a few buffalo calves. Now that herd is still in existence today mm. in um, Texas. Mm. There were two men, uh, Michelle Pablo and Charles Allred. They were sons with Native American mothers, and they realized what was happening to the bison. They were able to take over a bison herd that had been started, I'm not sure who started it, in Montana, and they grew that. Uh, they started it in 1886. And it is still a large conservation herd hmm. to this date. In fact, it's called the the um, Pablo Allred herd. Hmm. And then the third person that I want to mention is a man named William Hornoby. And he was um, a taxidermist for the Smithsonian. And he decided that the buffalo weren't going to be around for very long. So he went out and was going to shoot a couple of them and bring them back and taxidermy them and put them in the Smithsonian 
which she did. And it was a really popular exhibit back there. People were fascinated. But then he got to thinking that maybe he could bring the live animals back and and maybe somehow contribute to saving them. So he brought some calves back and he put them on the Smithsonian's front yard. And they did okay for a while. People were amazed by them. Um, Unfortunately, they perished. So he went out and got some more, made a better enclosure at the Smithsonian and was able to start a herd there. Um, He also became the first director of the Bronx Zoo and he started a herd there. And both of these herds flourished and eventually they were actually able to send some of these bison out to other people that were wanting to start these herds. Hmm. Um, Teddy Roosevelt was instrumental in bringing the bison back, maybe not for the right reasons. <laughs> you know, he wanted to hunt them, but whatever he brought them, he gave them places to live. Right. And the last person actually is Buffalo Bill Cody. Yeah. You know, he, um, he brought the bison to the people. Um, they saw him, they were excited by him. They realized they were a part of the West. And so while I don't think he was trying to conserve the bison as much as just make money off of them, he did, um, he did bring him into the public eye and raised awareness and some sympathy. Hmm. So today the animals are gradually making a comeback. And now in North America, we think there's over 60,000 wow. animals on various herds. National Bison Association's goal is that we'll have a million by 2024. Oh, wow. And we're working on it. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think most of the comeback has in the last few years has been because the meat's pretty healthy and people are, are demanding the meat, and that's actually bringing the animal back. Hmm. Um, it's such a I, – I was struck – I'm struck by the the uh, irony or the dichotomy so much all the way through this story of the bison of overhunting them and then wanting to conserve them. It seems like that's kind of an ongoing theme in the in our history in this country, and not just us, but I mean, yeah. you know, we 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 think there's such an abundance of these things, and then we just have gone in and you know hunted them nearly to extinction, and then then there's this massive <laughs> let's save this yeah. animal and. And uh, when he went out and wanted to shoot the ones to have in the um, in the museum, it was just the the irony of that, or the it's such a dichotomy. But um, I guess yeah. that's our nature in this yeah. country. I, I guess it kind of balances things. out. Yeah, it would. It would balance things out. How big are they? Yeah, how big are they? And and could you give some of their physical uh, characteristics? I mean, what what is done with their? How do they do in the winter and the summer with that massive? A massive uh-huh. body and that massive amount of, of I don't know if his fur is the right thing, but um, right way to say it. But what uh-huh. what all is um, how do they do in the in the weather temperature swings? They do great. Um, I, a funny story was when we bought this land. Uh, you know, it needed to be. It's um, our ranch is actually a reclaimed coal mine. It was reclaimed back in the. Um, 80s. And so it doesn't make for good cropland or good housing land, which is why we were able to get a hold of it for pasture. Uh-huh. Um, we did have the grass and the water and the land all tested to make sure it would support healthy animals. And it did. Hmm. Um, but I had mentioned to my husband when we bought it, I said, you know, we need to put a barn up. We need to, we need to protect these animals in the winter. And he kind of looked at me funny and he <laughs> said, you know, they've lived here about 11,000 years without you. <laughs> And I said, yeah, so we don't, <laughs> and they do fine. Um, 
<laughs> bison are animals that are built for survival, though. Huh. They're America's animal. There are two subspecies in this country. One is the woods bison, and mostly it's found in the Northwest Territories of Canada. Hmm. Um, it's a larger animal than our plains bison, which we have here, and it's actually the largest animal in the largest mammal in North America. It's larger than a polar bear or a moose. Um, it has kind of a more square-shaped hump and less hair on its front legs, and it's 10% bigger than the plains bison. But the plains bison are what we have here and are what most of the United States history is tied up in. Um, a plains bison, an adult male, will weigh between 18 and 2,200 pounds. Sometimes they get up to 2,400 pounds. Wow. Um, they're about nine foot long, and they stand about five and a half to six foot tall at the hump. Oh, wow. The um, females weigh about 900 to 1,100 pounds, and they're about five foot high at the hump. Um, at birth, the babies weigh about 40 pounds, and they are interesting because they can stand within 15 to 30 minutes of being born, and they're running with the herd the next day. Oh, wow. They are kind of a crimson color. That cool. They're kind of a crimson colored at birth, and that helps the other herd distinguish them from like predators like wolves or something like that. Um, historically, they've been called red dogs, and so we like to call our babies red dogs. Aww. The um, animals can, they do have this huge, massive head. Um, they use it for protection, they use it for dominance. Um, in the winter, they'll use it as a snowplow and they'll kill your <laughs> snow and you'll see pictures of them just head back and forth to get to the grass underneath. Um, they can run 35 miles an hour and they can maintain that for about 30 minutes. So mm. you're not gonna outrun a bison and we have signs all over our fences about that. Mm. If you get in there, they're gonna get you. <laughs> they can they can jump about six from a standing position and they can jump over a seven foot stream um, they can swim but they don't necessarily like to their weight is forward over the front part of their legs and that allows them to be really agile more agile than a, a cow or even a deer because that weight allows them just to turn in a hurry and face whatever whatever is coming at them like I said earlier they aren't mean they're not at all, but they're wild and they're protective. Mm -hmm. If they can get away from you, they're going to turn and run and get away from you. Right. What we see usually happen in Yellowstone is the bison are surrounded by cars or people, or some person is walking towards them aggressively. They can't get away, so they're going to turn and, and charge. Mm -hmm. um, when we move our animals, we don't, we don't hurt them. You can't hurt bison. They're going to turn around and try to get you, so you've got to convince them that they want to they want to go into that <laughs> other pasture. And, yeah, we use food. We use range cubes with molasses in them for, oh, really? to bribe them. <laughs> so what is their main diet? Yeah, yeah, they, their food. Grass. Grass. Yeah, ours are grass-fed. They um, When we did the testing on our land down here, we found it was um, low in, I think, molybdenum and selenium anyway two chemicals and the grass wasn't allowing the animals to uptake the copper so once a week we do give them about a pound of copper laced grain to keep them healthy hmm. they will eat about 25 pounds of hay every day 
and drink about nine gallons of water uh, more in the summer when it's hot. But you had asked about how they do and the different temperatures and their coats are so well insulated that they they keep them cool as well as warm. So in the summer, we have a hill at our ranch. And in the summer, you'll see them up on top of the hill, <laughs> just kind of basking. They slow down a little bit, drink more water. In the winter, they, they do great. That big old heavy fur <laughs> thickens up. Um, there have been studies, and they can actually do really well and actually thrive in temperatures down to 10 below zero. Um, They can survive in temperatures down to 50 below zero as long as they're in the herd. Mm -hmm. They don't really have any natural predators except man. An adult bison doesn't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, wolves and coyotes and mountain lions do call the herd Mm -hmm. when there's that need. Um, Are there any diseases that they are susceptible to? Yeah, there are. So tuberculosis and brucellosis are the two big diseases with bison. Um, Tuberculosis, Mm -hmm. obviously, is a lung disease. Brucellosis is a disease that's carried by the um, Yellowstone herd, and they they can't cure them of this. Mm -hmm. So brucellosis won't kill the animal, but it does cause stillbirths and lower milk and meat production. And just a general failure to thrive with the animals. Um, Illinois is what's called a clean state. So before you bring animals into this state or send them out, you have to have them um, tested for TB and brucellosis. Mm -hmm. And they're all making good headways in eradicating brucellosis from public herds. Hmm. Those are really the two biggest diseases. There's controversy out west about bison coming off the ranges and infecting cattle with brucellosis, but I'm not sure there's any proof. Hmm. Um, I believe that deer and other animals have it too. So those are really the only two that we worry about. Mm-hmm. So you, 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 you sell the meat. Um, what kind of cuts do you have and what are the health benefits of bison over, you know, uh, traditional beef and the, the difference? there that makes it healthier and mm-hmm. yeah so i, I want to let people know that we're not competing with the beef industry we want bison to be another form of meat just like chicken fish duck turkey pork um, bison meat is very very low in fat it's lower in cholesterol actually than wild deer or game um, it's very high in protein very high in iron You do have to cook it a little bit differently. You have to cook it over a little bit lower and slower heat because it cooks fast because there's not much fat in it, Hmm. and it gets real tough real fast. Hmm. Um, We have all the same cuts of meat from a bison that you would have from a cow, steaks and ground and ribs and Hmm. bones, and um, that big hump on their back is muscle, so it's it's chuck roast Hmm. is what it becomes. Um, bison are not harvested as early as cattle and that's why they're a little more expensive because we usually keep them for two and a half or three years before we harvest as opposed to cattle who are harvested younger than that Mm -hmm. so there's a little bit more to the care Mm. it's good meat i think well i bet i i've i've eaten it before it's been a while but i've i have eaten it um 
it's it's been a while though. Um, I'm gonna have to try it again though now because I know so yeah. much more about it and I know better how yeah. how to cook it. So how how around here? How I know that you had uh, I take them to farmers markets. I'm sure. But I know that that's the season for that has come to an end for the most part, um, if I'm not mistaken. Where else can people, where could people purchase your products? So through our website, they can purchase it directly from us. Um, they just need to contact us through the website, which is www.ruderbison.com. There's a contact us page on there. Um, we are probably going to be at one or two of the winter markets in Urbana. Mm-hmm maybe once a month. Um, I would love it if people would call in their orders and we could just take it out there once a month and they could come pick it up, mm-hmm. purchase it that way. Uh, Harvest Market in Urbana carries some of our ground. Mm-hmm. And so you can buy it there. Um, people up north, uh, there's a place called All Grass Farms that carries our products. It's in Kane County. And um, my son lives in Frankfurt and he's got meet up there too we are playing with the idea of maybe opening a storefront a couple days a week out at our ranch but that's you'll have to watch the website and see if anything comes of that i don't know yet (laughs) we've had a lot of requests i bet i bet how can it is there a way that people can come and actually see the bison in person yeah so um we give tours at the ranch, um, it's by appointment only. We don't like people wandering around out there without somebody with them. But we do give tours. And again, you can contact us through the website or on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page, Ruder Bison. Um, also Instagram. We're on Instagram. The um, tours are are mainly for people probably over the age of six or seven. Uh, little children don't really do well. They don't. They don't hurt the bison, but they kind of scare them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to have five to ten people. We, I gave a tour last week to two gentlemen who were just lovely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the tours last about 30, 45 minutes, and you you get up close. There's always a fence in between you, but you, you get up close. You'll get, you'll get a chance to see how big they are. <clears throat> we do have an Airbnb Good. Tell about that. I think that's so exciting. I can't. I tell about that if you would. So, um, yeah, we we wanted to do because our we want to bring the bison back. We want to contribute to bringing the bison back. They're they're wonderful animals, and they're our, our nation's animals. They they um, they're just neat to be around. So, as part of our conservation efforts, we wanted to kind of give people the feeling of the tranquility of, of just watching the bison. And so we had the opportunity to open an Airbnb at our ranch. And um, it's a good way to experience the bison and the tall grass prairies, which I would like to see restored also. Mm. Um, there is a website on Airbnb uh, called Prairie Stay. And um, the address for the, if you type in Villa Grove, it will come up. Um, the money that we make from that all goes back into caring for the bison and working on the land. Pasture management's probably 85% of raising bison. The animals are easy. Pastures aren't. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Airbnb. It's nice to have your coffee in the morning, watching the sun come up and watching the bison graze. Oh, I can't imagine. 
you know, that would take you back to to those early days before, you know, before we, before the white people did what they did. Europeans just to, I think yeah. I, it's it's I commend you for um, your conservation efforts and and not just for the bison but for repurposing the land there at Murdoch Mines. I think that all the way around you're doing so many admirable things. Well, thank you. We're we're pleased with the way things are going. I bet. I bet. Well, I'm so so happy that you've you've uh, been here, Kathleen. And if you'd like to get, if there's anything else you'd like to share before we draw this to an end, if not, if you have anything else you'd like to share, please do. There are a couple of things that the bison was named the national mammal back in 2016. So everybody knows the bald eagle is our bird, and you can't do anything to it. Uh, the national mammal is our bison. It beat out the beaver. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, and yes, it's okay to eat the national mammal. Um, November the 2nd, Saturday in November is National Bison Day. So everybody go out and eat a bison burger on that day. <laughs> I think that it's important to realize it's not just bringing the bison back. Bringing the bison back are important, but we want to bring the tall grass prairie ecosystem back along with the bison. And the two, the three biggest ecosystems right now we have of the tall grass prairie are in the Flint Hills of Kansas and Oklahoma. All three of them do have bison herds on them. Um, Ted Turner has over 51,000 bison on his 16 ranches, and he is also trying to restore some of the prairies. Hmm. Um, those are the western tall grass prairies. Hmm. There are, um, I believe... The Intertribal Buffalo Council says there's about 85 tribes that have over 20,000 animals on 65 herds on their lands. And those are also being restored as um, tall grass prairie. Hmm. Nature Conservancy has several herds around the country. And the closest one here is the Nechusa grasslands just up north in Franklin. So I, I like the idea that this film by Ken Burns also mentioned that, that it's, it's bringing the animal back, but bringing the whole ecosystem back. We know we're not going to bring it back to the extent that it once was. Nobody expects that. Mm -hmm. But I think taking land like ours that can't be used for crops mm -hmm. or for housing and restoring it, a lot of these conservation districts are taking land that's donated to them and restoring it and putting bison on it. Um, there's a place called the American Prairie Preserve in Montana where they're trying to bring the bison and the prairies back. So these big areas are important, but I think smaller areas are also important in trying to rejuvenate the land mm -hmm. as well as, as bring these great animals back. Um, the other thing I like to point out to people is how ingrained the bison really is in our culture mm. without even thinking about it. You know, there was bison on a nickel. There's sports team named Bison. There's a town named Buffalo. There's a plaid named Buffalo. There's even a glue named Buffalo. <laughs> um, so the flags of several states got Bison on them. So, you know, when you think about it, the Bison are here. They've always been here. Um, unfortunately, there are no free-reigning Bison anymore. Even the ones, there's about 6,000 in Yellowstone. And they can roam around Yellowstone, but if they get off the park they are put back on the park mm -hmm. so it's sad to think that 
maybe the free ranging, but I think society evolves and we're going the right way in trying to restore these animals. Yeah, I think they're great. That's that's fascinating. Uh, I I love that too. That that conservation effort has. That thank God for people like that. For people like you and people like uh, we had Sarah Legrand yeah. on um, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago from Grand Prairie Friends, that um, restores yes. and preserves prairie around Central Illinois. And um, I thought about that, yeah. and I thought, well, you know, I know that none of the areas that they have would be big enough. For probably for bison to roam on, um, but just right. you know, we are so fortunate that there are people who can dedicate their lives and their and be so committed to try to save these these um, things that are vanishing from our midst. That you know, we didn't see in our lifetime when they were in their pristine conditions. We weren't there, but we can only imagine what it would have been like to look down uh-huh. and see those bison and that every the land turned black because there's so many of them. And uh, well, we, 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 we see yeah. the beauty of it and somebody else just saw dollar signs, but um, thank God that people see yeah. the, yeah. and have the commitment to save that. Well, it's been so much fun. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Kathleen. I've learned so much. Well, it's been enjoyable for me too. And, and please, uh, please feel free to give your contact information again. Um, you might spell your name if you give your website, so they'll they will know how that's spelled too. Anything uh, that you'd like to share about how to get in touch with your for your Airbnb, any of that, please. Yeah, so it's Ruter R U H T E R Bison B I S O N. Um, the website is www.ruterbison.com. And it's got some cool pictures of the animals. We've got recipes. We've got ways to contact us. We've got information about upcoming events. Um, on Facebook, it's just Ruder Bison. On Instagram, it's just Ruder Bison. Um, there's uh, email on there, david.ruder at ruderbison.com that you can contact me with. Um, and we'll set up a time to have you come out if you are interested in meat. I can get that for you if you just want to talk about really cool animals. I'm always up for that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kathleen. I appreciate it. And did you put, give your information about your Airbnb, how to get in touch with you about that? Is that is that all on the website? Yeah, Airbnb. It, there's a link to it on our website. But it's experience. If you go on Airbnb and type in Villa Grove, Illinois, and experience the prairie will be the first one that comes up. Wow, and we we are booking out next year already, but we have plenty of openings if people are interested. Even in the winter, they're they're kind of cool. Huh? You know, people are always, we're always looking for something to do that's different. We're always looking for something. We have people come in from out of town. What, what are we going to do that you know is we've not done before? And I think this is an excellent example of something that people can do that is just not your ordinary you know Saturday afternoon trip. So, or any afternoon trip. So. Yeah, let us know a couple of a couple of days. Do you, that, so do you, you, you prefer to be um, contacted through your website? Is that correct, or, or do you have an, Did you give an email address? Or right now, that's the only way. Yeah, right now, that's the only way we have to do it. Um, but I think things will be changing next year. Um, we're hiring some additional staff, and so if you keep posted on the website, we do like to know a little bit ahead of time. Who, when people want to come so we can arrange to have the bison up close. Yeah. Um, we also um, need to make sure staff's available. Um, so two or three days ahead would be really good. 
And I, I, I'm glad that I found your Facebook page and the information that you have on there, all the updates. And people could probably contact you and Instagram. They could contact you on Messenger through there, too. Yes. Okay, great. Great. Well, Kathleen yes. Reuter, thank you so yeah. much. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you, Wendy. Such a pleasure. Uh, I want to draw this episode to a close. I'm Wendy Fleming Dexter, your host. And thanks again to Kathleen Reuter. And please, everyone, be kind. Thanks for listening to Life on the Illinois Prairie, the undercurrents of our American life. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to Life on the Illinois Prairie wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more stories, interviews, and updates. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Until next time. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.